This is Anne-Marie Lewis, and you are listening to We Are Rivers, conversations about the rivers that connect us. Today, we are going to explore what could be called a worst-case water shortage situation, referred to as a compact call. Basically, a compact call would require upper basin water holders with water rights dating after 1922 to halt their water use. How could this ever possibly happen? Join us for this episode of We Are Rivers to find out what may be looming on the horizon for the Colorado River. And a note to remember throughout this podcast is that the reservoir levels referenced are specific for the time this podcast was recorded, May through July of 2018. For current reservoir information, you can always check the websites of the reservoirs, like Glen Canyons at lakepowell.water-data.com. Currently, December 2018... The reservoirs above Lake Powell are about 66.9% of capacity, and Lake Powell is down 39.81 feet from one year ago. This dry year in the Colorado River Basin has been a harsh reminder of the West's water crisis. So it's been a really dry year in Colorado, of course. We've had low stream flows, uh, high water temperatures. We've had a lot of fires both in Colorado and throughout the West. This is Jim Lockhead, the CEO of Denver Water, a public water utility that serves 1.4 million people in the city and county of Denver. And our board is really concerned with two things. One is making sure that the water use that we have is efficient and that we plan adequately for the future. And the other is that our operations really are responsible both to the local communities in which we operate and the environment. So as a result, we're engaged in things like watershed protection programs and forest treatment programs. We are partnering with uh, partners in the Colorado River Basin and Grand and Summit counties on environmental programs um, to enhance stream flows because we recognize that if we don't take care of the environment, today, um, our ability to serve our customers 50 or 100 years from now is going to be severely compromised. Denver Water receives its water from both the Colorado and South Platte rivers and their tributaries, making Denver Water a player in water affairs in both the Missouri River Basin and the Colorado River Basin, two of the major river systems in the United States. This is the hottest and driest summer that we've had uh, ever. Uh, The period from May 15th to July 15th has been the the hottest we've ever recorded. But efficiency is really important to us and to our customers. So as a result, our customers' average daily water use is actually 24% lower than it was in the same period in the year 2000, which was a similarly hot and dry year. And we have 250,000 more people than we did in in the year 2000. So our customers are really using water a lot more efficiently than they did 18 years ago, um, even though it's been super hot. And perhaps some of this is due to the fact that there is no denying it. The Colorado River is changing. We have to prepare for a different future. This 19-year extended dry period has driven home the importance of water conservation efforts. And it really has helped our district be able to focus the attention of some of our constituents This is Andy Mueller, the general manager of the Colorado River District, a regional governmental organization on the western slope of Colorado that was created in 1937. The district protects waters of the Colorado River and its tributaries in their use and development for those who live across the western slope. 
Andy explains to me how the West's new normal of aridification demands that adjustments be made in how the Colorado River is managed. Our system on the Colorado River was built essentially with a savings account in Lake Powell for the upper basin and, um, and then Lake Mead to store water and for use down in the lower basin. And when you look at our uh, storage account in Powell, the purpose of that is to help us at the upper basin make sure that we're complying with the Colorado River Compact and delivering the appropriate amount of water downstream at Lee Ferry, just below the Glen Canyon Dam, um, even in years of drought. And, and so in a, uh, in, in a year like the year 2000, if you go back in time, um, the, the reservoir was full on January 1st, uh, 2000, and, and then the prolonged four-year significant drought hit. And we watched the, the, the levels in Powell uh, literally crash from the, from the high level down. And, and it, which means that the reservoir was serving its purpose. And um, however, after 18-plus uh, years of, of having similar hydrology, and we've had a few wet years, but on average this 18-year period has been extremely dry. And, and because of that, that, that prolonged period of time, Powell is now approaching levels that um, many of us consider critical. If you look at the Colorado River Basin as a whole, it's really in a tough situation. There's no doubt about it. This year, however, wasn't at all a critical water shortage year for Denver. We're pretty lucky from our water supply standpoint. Our reservoirs are filled with snowpack and rainfall, and uh, we in our water basins had pretty good snowpack and rainfall this year. So currently our reservoirs are about 93% full. But it's interesting to watch the water use patterns of our customers. So if it rains in Denver, our customers immediately turn off their sprinklers and you can see it in our water demand. So they're following water patterns very closely. Um, so even though it's been hot, we're using water efficiently and our water supplies are pretty good. We're going to monitor things very closely, though. Obviously, um, if it's a dry, uh, low snowpack year again, again this year, um, we're probably going to be looking at watering restrictions uh, in our service area. But even though Denver Water's reservoirs are 93% full, the same cannot be said of Lake Powell, which is sitting at just 45% of full pool. The river is managed with two major federal reservoirs, Lake Mead, uh, right next to Las Vegas and Lake Powell, which is uh, just below Page, Arizona. And uh, the inflow um, during June was only 33% of average. And we've been in 18 years, the driest 18-year period um, in recorded history in the last 1,200 years. Um, so it's concerning for every water user in the basin, and that, uh, that includes um, – Everybody from water utilities to farmers and ag producers to river runners and fisher, fishermen and everybody who uses the river. If the hydrology of the last 20 years continues, the upper basin could, over time, potentially fail to deliver the amount of water required to the lower basin. In this case, there would be a compact call. The Colorado River is divided by an interstate compact. It's kind of like a treaty between states. Um, and the seven states on the Colorado River, uh, California, Arizona, Nevada, Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico, uh, all decided in 1922 to uh, essentially divide the river in half. So there's um, an upper basin 
of Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico. And those four upper basin states are required to make sure that a certain amount of water um, goes past Lee Ferry, which is just below Lake Powell, uh, approximately 75 million acre feet every 10 years or on a, on a running 10-year average. When, when you add to that the treaty obligation to this, uh, the country of Mexico, uh, our share of that combined with our obligation to the lower basin is approximately 82.3 million acre feet uh, that need to be delivered every 10 years. And if that doesn't happen, uh, then the lower basin states, California, Arizona, and Nevada, can demand that the upper basin reduce our use of water until we come back up over that 10-year running average. And at that point, when the call is actually being made, we're, we're, we would be significantly in a hole so that we would have to figure out ways to deliver probably over the 8.23 million acre feet a year in water. And kind of by way of example, this year probably shows a good uh, uh, kind of a good illustration of how difficult that may be in the future. This year, we expect a little bit less than 5 million acre feet of water to flow into Lake Powell from the upper basin and uh, in the entire 12-month period. And so in that 12-month water year, if we're only getting 5 million acre feet in and we have to produce 8.23 million acre feet at a minimum, um, you can see that we would have to change significantly in the upper basin to produce that extra uh, several million acre feet of water. And if we're if we're in a, a deficit, in other words, we've overused for a period of time, we would actually have to produce more than you know three or three and a half million acre feet extra every year in order to get that that delivery obligation on that ten year running average back up. So what happens in a compact call is that any water user who started that water use after 1922, so that's most of us except for um, some agricultural operations, would have to literally shut off our water supply uh, for a period of years until the 10-year uh, the running average recovered. This presents a huge problem for cities because most of their water rights are post-compact water rights. Within the river district, on, on our portion of the western slope of Colorado, uh, most of our agricultural rights uh, are, are pre-compact and, and so technically are not subject to a administrative curtailment or call uh, in this situation. Um, but but I, I can tell you that doesn't make us feel warm and fuzzy uh, because the problem is, is that most urban water rights in our state, uh, both the Trans Mountain diversions over to Denver and Colorado Springs and and uh, the, the northeastern part of our state, those those water rights are, uh, in large part, they are um, post-compact water rights. The water supply for Denver uh, was developed, uh, for the most part, after 1922. Uh, most of the major projects on the Colorado River um, uh, that Denver has were developed in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. And so that means that we, we Denver, would literally be cut off from half of our water supply for several years. And so if, in fact, we are nearing a scenario where it appears that a compact call may come out and, and potentially turn off post-compact water rights, we would anticipate that uh, water managers, uh, both on the eastern uh, plains and on the on the western slope, 
who are delivering water in cities would go out and look for um, uh, essentially a source of augmentation in the form of western slope agriculture, and, and they would uh, engage in a practice known as buy and dry. And uh, from our perspective at the River District, that's you know, absolutely the worst case scenario. And and so what we want and what we're trying to do in, in our efforts these days is avoid the the possibility of a compact call from becoming a probability. Because once it becomes a, a probability or even a certainty, uh we we begin to be very concerned about uh the the both voluntary and frankly involuntary acquisition of water rights in our agriculture on the western slope, uh, which I think in, in many respects our communities on the western slope depend greatly upon not just the economy um, that the food and the, and the agricultural production creates on the western slope, but we also depend upon that, that agricultural, uh, the existence of irrigated ag to provide wildlife habitat, um, open working landscapes, many people will call it open space. We, we call it working landscapes because it's privately owned for the most part and it's, um, and it, and it benefits the rest of us by providing beautiful vistas, but it is actually somebody else's private property. And so it, it, it does that. It provides, um, delayed return flows to the river through, uh, the irrigation, which keeps many of our high mountain streams in Colorado, uh, flowing, recharging later in the season so that they're, uh, is then an extended season for recreational users, boaters, fishermen, uh, people like that. And so um, the, the tourist economy depends on, on our ag. All of us, you know, our, our wildlife, our hunting, our, our, our quality of life on the western slope really depends tremendously on that ag. And so the idea of uh, sitting back and watching uh, the possibility of a curtailment come at us and turn into more of a of a probability is something that we don't want to see, and, and uh, we're looking at that very closely. And I think that the to me the first thing that everybody needs to recognize is that we're all in this together. That we need to work together across sectors, whether it's uh, urban water utilities, whether it's agricultural producers, whether it's NGOs and environmental organizations or recreation industry. We need to be working together to sustain water use efficiency across uh, across all sectors, so that that we have flexibility in our operations, so that water can be managed flexibly to solve various problems, whether it's recreational or water supply or uh, environmental. Jim is right. We can't see each other as enemies. We all have to work together. If you live in the West, you already know the importance of agricultural land. As you drive west from the Front Range, dry prairie lands turn to mountains and irrigated pastures dot the landscape. A compact call needs to be avoided, or we all pose to lose immensely. And it also would disrupt much more than simply water rights. River ecosystems, hydropower plants, recreation, and economic development would also be in jeopardy. So if there's a call, there are a number of federal uh, reservoirs in the system that would be releasing water down to Lake Powell, reservoirs like uh, Flaming Gorge in Wyoming or the Aspinall Unit in Colorado, uh, Blue Mesa Reservoir or Navajo Reservoir in New Mexico. Um, so those reservoirs would be depleted. And, and that would obviously affect surface water recreation and hydropower development. Um, stream flows certainly would be reduced, and you wouldn't see the kind of releases from those reservoirs that benefit both 
um, things like endangered species, river recreation, and, and other uses of the river. Lake Powell would obviously continue to go down, affecting recreation and the environment um, and hydropower development at, at Lake Powell. And then there would be a, a cutback in water use in the upper basin. So uh, for cities along the Front Range, we would lose up to half of our water supply. Um, and other communities um, in the Colorado River Basin in western Colorado, for example, would be significantly impacted. There would be significant economic impacts associated with those reductions. You would see uh, less businesses um, moving into Colorado um, because of those restrictions. We would see significantly increased costs to our customers uh, because our, our costs of running the water system would remain the same, and we would have to bear significant costs to go out and find alternative water supplies, um, even in the face of those restrictions. And the price of water and the cost to our customers uh, and the economic impact would really be significant. I mean, I think you only need to look at examples like Cape Town or uh, Sao Paulo or other uh, major cities that have faced the prospect of major uh, restrictions in water availability to understand that the total impacts of such a significant reduction in supply um, are really pretty devastating. So it's it's a situation that we want to avoid. So how do we avoid a compact call? Part of the answer is water conservation, but not only water conservation. Because of the 10-year running average, we're a ways off from the possibility of a compact call. The problem is that if Lake Powell, which is kind of like a bank account for the upper basin, water from the upper basin goes into Lake Powell and it's stored there and then it's released during dry years and, and keeps that average flow okay. And so if that bank account gets depleted, um, then the system starts to collapse and uh, that would accelerate rapidly the prospect of, of a compact call. And of course, Lake Powell is right now sitting at a little over half full. So, um, and and the lower you go, the less surface area there is, and the more quickly the, the reservoir goes down. So, as as the elevation in Lake Powell goes down, there's real cause for concern that uh, we're going to run into a significant problem here, even in the next few years. It is important to conserve water. It's becoming more and more important to um, conserve water intentionally. But what we actually need in the upper basin is not what we would call conserving system water so that it just flows down to the lower basin. We actually are looking for and hoping uh, and, and frankly working on um, getting a um, storage pool in Lake Powell dedicated through um, the, the Bureau of Reclamation for the benefit of the upper basin, where we could store water that is separate from the system, if you will. It doesn't get pulled down the river to Arizona or um, or California, Nevada, without the consent of the Upper Colorado River Commission. And, and the idea being that if we're intentionally reducing our consumption of water and therefore potentially reducing our economic output on our farms and within our cities and we're adjusting our way of life to consume less water um, across all sectors, 
then what we are trying to arrange for is to have this pool where we're banking the water and putting it into this uh, demand management pool that that then allows us when 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 the reservoir is coming near those critical levels to release the water into the system so essentially make it system water at that time in order to use it as as critical uh, if you will life-saving water this idea of Andy's is a complex, nuanced one, and we are going to delve into it in our next episode. For now, understand that the Upper Basin is working on its drought contingency plan to help reduce the likelihood of a compact call, as described in earlier episodes. The Upper Basin's proposed drought contingency plan involves, among other things, what's called reservoir reoperation. When Lake Powell looks like it can't deliver enough water to the Lower Basin, Upstream reservoirs will release their water down to Lake Powell to ensure that the lower basin receives its required water. But this isn't a permanent solution. It's a worst-case scenario temporary fix. Demand management water conservation, covered in episode 11 of this series, is a much more stable and flexible solution. But, as Andy was getting at, Colorado and other upper basin states have to be careful and wise about where conserved water goes. That's the crux move. If you stop listening now, you'll only have half of the story. Join us in our next episode to explore why failing to keep score and account of the Upper Basin's conserved water in Lake Powell could render municipal, industrial, agricultural, and private water conservation, even yours, pointless. Take a breather, then join us in our next episode as we discuss this further.